Avast me, hearties, and climb aboard for the next adventure of the Backlog Treasure Hunters. This is a podcast where we hunt for exceptional, unique, and interesting games from within our vast Backlog Treasure Trove. I am your host and tyrannical Pokemon despot, Kevin Savage. And hosting with me today is my fellow video game enthusiast and delisted DLC bonus event, Jordan J2 Manning. <laughs> uh, a very belated Merry Christmas to you, JT. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Savage. Thank you very much. <laughs> I believe we're doing this show because, hey, my Christmas present is the game we're talking about. Yes, yes. We're going to talk all about Christmas presents. Um, cool. So uh, it won't be apparent to anybody that's listening, but we've actually been on a five-month-long hiatus since we finished playing this game. And uh, we didn't record it back in December 2020 when we should have. Uh, so a lot has changed uh, in our personal circumstances in that time. So I've just taken the liberty of christening this return to podcasting as season two of the show. And uh, what can you, the listener at home, expect to be different now? Nothing. So back to the show. Uh, JT, <laughs> have you been playing any games that you want to spotlight? I have. But before we get into the games we're playing, how about you tell our listeners what it is that caused a four-month hiatus? I had a baby. Well, my wife had a baby, uh, but... No, you had uh, a baby. I had a baby, yeah. <laughs> it came out of you. <laughs> oh, yes. man, I'd, I'd pay money to see that. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, yeah. uh, so uh, my, my wife and I had a baby, and she is a beautiful little girl, and I'm so thrilled. She's just the world's best baby. For uh, To encapsulate this into the world, today, Elsie was trying to roll... She's already been like playing with her little handsies and playing with her little feeties. And uh, I just, I love, I love my baby. She's so That's amazing. There you go. The miracle of children. Uh, so the uh, games we've been playing. Uh, let's see. So I, well, it is now summer in 2021. Um, go get vaccinated. And I have taken upon myself to start working on a personal backlog of just games I knew that I wanted to play and uh try to kill them in the entire summer that i have so the plan is i have oh yes oh it's been it's actually doing really well so i have set aside 15 games in a working list and i have 15 months of my summer you just say 15 months of summer i'm sorry (laughs) let me try that again 15 weeks of summer For those 15 weeks, I have 15 different games, and this is an ever-changing list that I am trying to beat before the end of my summer. Currently, I have six of those games beaten. So we are... substantial. Yeah, and I mean, they they vary. Like, I beat new Pokemon Snap fairly recently. I beat, um, like, Rain on Your Parade and There Is No Game, which are smaller titles, but I also beat one of the games on our backlog list and then another one that was like a 25 hour game so i'm i'm doing pretty well for myself in terms of games i've beaten over the is that the game that we're playing that we're covering next yeah of any of those do you want to shine a spotlight on them tell everybody to uh get in deep with something yeah i'll I'll set the record straight on a couple of them um snap is really 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 fun if you like pokemon games it is as simple as an on-rails photo booth, effectively, but it's fun. It's got mechanics that add for fresh gameplay each time. 
I yeah, would say I, I really like the N64 game. I think that uh, turning an on-rail shooter into a photography simulator is a really cute idea. And this feels like that, but really polished. And that's it. And that's kind of all you want or could ask for in a game like that. Like, I, I would not want more complex mechanics when I'm doing something like that. So it kind of just hits the spot. It was a good 16 hours of just clean fun. So, Mr. Kevin, what about you? What have you been playing? If you've been playing anything. So, uh, in the year of our Lord 2021, uh, I um, was expecting my daughter uh, basically from the start of 2021. So, I've pretty much only been playing Zelda games because I find them very comforting. So, I've played, uh, just since the year started, uh, 3DS Ocarina of Time and 3DS Majora's Mask as well as all of uh, Wii U Twilight Princess, and I'm about to start playing Wii U Wind Waker when I get uh, time outside of this, but uh, it's been really nice to be playing games for the podcast again, if if only just to get some variety in my gaming diet, because um, I love Zelda games, but I kind of need somebody to pull me out of them from time to time. Oh, I feel that. I We're working on a project um, for my junior team and our inspiration is going to be Ocarina of Time. Oh, cool. So I've been playing Ocarina of Time, just like getting a feel for how the levels were made and getting a concept of very old dungeon design, very Mm -hmm. clean levels and stuff like that. It's been fun. Legend of Zelda games are still fun and they hold up today. Yeah, that that was uh, my my review of the three Zelda games that I played this year. Is they're still very good. Uh, Twilight Princess is remarkably not as good as Ocarina of Time or um, Majora's Mask, but it is still very good. It is yeah. better than the average game. It is <laughs> and, better like, than the average game. <laughs> yeah. So so like be, being a Zelda game that's not as good as other Zelda games, like oh no, what a terrible place to be. What what a terrible <laughs> predicament to find yourself in. Right. Uh, and then uh, on the kind of setting the uh, the record straight, I've got a quick rant corner uh, because you and I will not be covering Lost Odyssey. Uh, <laughs> I played it <laughs> in my own time after Christmas, and uh, I just want to go on the record. I did not enjoy that game. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I, w- I would love to detail my gripes, complaints, and general dissatisfaction with it at some point, but that time's not now. My brief review is uh, play the first disc and the first disc only and pretend it was the entire game and that they just never released a sequel and you will have a very good time. You will have a better time wondering about what could have happened in that game than enduring. <laughs> and actually did. knowing what was going to happen. That's funny. Yes. Um, uh, just like it was one of these things where um, like the the heroes have all lost their memories and they're immortals and a a large portion of the game is dedicated to them getting their memories back because like they can't remember a thousand years and that's a big deal i would be kind of upset if i lost a thousand years of memory so you yeah. think like oh this is going to be like mechanically relevant uh like i'm going to get this and then like a bunch of new abilities are going to unlock or like something cool is going to happen. No, just like at a certain point in the game, they all can just like remember stuff again, and that and that's that. And like it's it's just Tuesday. Like it's just like <laughs> yep, 
<laughs> we remember everything now and it's like isn't that the point of like why you set out on the quest and i really think that the the writers of the game got distracted and frequently forgot like what they wrote in the chapter before it feels like seven different people just like shuffled through the script it's weird and not good weird like this game this game is good weird but that yeah, game is can, not weird. you can test writing which is funny like you don't think about it but like that is kind of what editing is but mm. you can test it like there are physical ways to where you can say here is the piece of writing and i'm not getting someone's opinion on it i'm getting the reaction of someone believing and seeing it for the first time so it's like if that story sucks that bad and that's your honest reaction it's not a very good story they should have tested no. the story Oh, uh, the other thing is, um, uh, I was not prepared for, suddenly there's, like, a 70s, like, love song thing that just plays midway through disc three, and there's an unskippable cutscene where you listen to the song for, like, four minutes as, like, the characters walk patiently around rooms. That sounds phenomenal. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's one of these things where, like, if it happened in Deadly Premonition, I would be into it. If it happened in, like, this game, it's just bad. Well, that's fair. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, here in Obasakaguchi, you can still win me back. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing the last story. Uh, he's he's the kind of guy where, like, I just, I endlessly have energy to play his stuff. But anyway. he's got to buy you dinner first. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like let's, let's, let, let's be friends. Call me. Okay, so uh, what game did we clear from our backlog this time? This time we cleared Pokemon Conquest by Koei Tecmo. So uh, I'll set the stage for the listeners at home. Uh, in this game, you are in feudal Pokemon Japan. And so cool. in, uh, it's, it's a very funny setting. And in this world, uh, samurai and warlords instead fight it out with their Pokemon in squad-based tactical RPG battles. And, uh, like, butter my bottom and call me a biscuit, if that's not the, the best premise for a video game I've heard in a very long time. Yeah, if you put that on my desk, you were just like, Pokemon Tactical RPG. And I'm like, oh, tell me more. Keep giving me information. <laughs> and they're like, no, that's, that's what we we're giving you. I'm like, okay, yeah. we'll print it. I, I, I didn't tell you to stop talking. Just keep going. <laughs> just like, <laughs> give me more of this, sir. Did you hear the rumor that there might be a second one for Switch? Oh, uh, I mean, um, we'll talk a little bit more about Koei Tecmo and Nintendo. Uh, but I I believe it. Um, there's a billion more Pokemon since they made this one, so it makes sense to me that they would dive back into it. But this this game I think is so ripe for an improvement sequel. It's there's a lot here, but we'll talk about it. Pokemon Conquest was released in June 2012 for most regions of the world, and it came out on the Nintendo DS exclusively. Uh, Pokemon Conquest is the unholy crossover of the monster-collecting game series Pokemon and the uh, apparently prolific tactical RPG series Nobunaga's Ambition, which I'd actually never heard of until I talked with you on the phone after you opened your present. You've never heard of Nobunaga's Ambition? Uh, I've seen the box art. So like when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, uh, I recognize the box art. I'm sure that I've seen these games and clips of them and stills of them when people are talking about like historical tactical RPGs, but like the, uh, I, I, I've never played one. I've never looked into the series. There's a lot of them. There's like at least 10. So yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm surprised that I'm as unfamiliar with them as I am. Fun fact, this game was apparently announced at a Shonen Jump event, and that just made me really happy. I like that that's um, uh, where this kind of stuff would come out. Yeah, June 2012. I had just graduated from high school. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah that was a good Literally time. that month, I think. So, Pokemon Conquest was developed by Koei Tecmo or Tecmo Koei. Uh, and the order of the company names actually varies depending on where you look. Uh, but I'm going to go with Koei Tecmo because that's what their Wikipedia page is listed as. And uh, you may know them from their prolific combined game series catalogs, uh, which include Dead or Alive, Dynasty Warriors, Ninja <laughs> Gaiden, Fatal Frame, uh, just to name a few of them. And the two halves of this company are Koei and Tecmo. And both of those have been in the video game business for a very long time. And I had no idea that they were merged until I was reading about this game. So Just like Square and Enix, right? Yeah, just like Square and Enix. That's exactly correct. So uh, I, I don't know how common it is for Japanese companies to just combine like this, but um, it's cool that they've incorporated kind of both halves of their business. kind of don't think about that. Like, growing up, you always hear Koei Tecmo or Square Enix, and you always assume that that's just what it's always been. You never think I'm... that two companies had to come together to make that. I, I mean, I, I distinctly remember... Uh, seeing games listed as Squaresoft and then seeing games listed as Square Enix and wondering if they were the same or different companies and people were just like uh, like elbowing in saying like, you're not the only company called Square around these parts. <laughs> but, yeah, I was in the same boat where I like I saw that and thought that the Squaresoft was different from Square Enix. Yeah, but when you're nine years old and you're looking at like uh, Final Fantasy VI on SNES or um, like Super Mario RPG... And then you see Final Fantasy X. Like you do, you can put together that they must be the same company, but it's just odd. So uh, this looks like it's the first collaboration between Koei Tecmo and Nintendo, from what I can tell. And that kind of blossomed into uh, them making the Hyrule Warriors games and contributing to the recent Fire Emblem games. So have you played much of the collaborative stuff that they've released? I've definitely played Ninja Gaiden games, but that's Koei Tecmo. Um, oh, I, I mean the, the Hyrule Warriors. Like Hyrule Warriors, were, yeah. Uh, I, how involved are they in Fire Emblem now? I thought that was still Intelligent Systems. I, that is still Intelligent Systems, if I'm correct. I don't think they're involved very much at all. They may have something to do with the publishing side, but I wouldn't know. So Koei Tecmos, they worked on a RPG called Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Yes. And that actually ended up being translated into gameplay and programming for Three Houses. So oh. Intelligent System worked on the narrative and the design, and the gameplay and programming was Koei Tecmo. But that's only for Three Houses and uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, which Fire Emblem Warriors makes the most sense because they make Dynasty Warriors. That would be that, would be that little piece of Fire Emblem information. But other than that, I don't think they've worked on much more from the Fire Emblem franchise. Uh, one of these subsidiaries of Koei Tecmo made the game Quantum Theory, which is one of the most hilariously awful games that I've ever played, and I really want to cover for this show. And when I bought it, I thought that it was Hunted Demon's Forge when I was ordering it, and I was delighted by how wrong I was and how awful that game is. It's un like I, I can't even tell you how bad Quantum Theory is you need to play it for yourself. Really? It's I've heard so great things. Bad. Uh, I don't know who you talk to, man, because it is 
awful. It is such a bad game. I can't wait to hear what you think of that game. It's so bad. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, before we talk about why we're playing Pokemon Conquest, uh, we actually have to talk about something very serious for a second. Okay. We need to talk about Pokemon. Uh-oh. And, uh, what is your opinion of Pokemon, Mr. J? What is my opinion of Pokemon? Like, in general? In general. As a broad statement. Yeah, if you were... You just coming out of left field, hitting me with a baseball bat. <laughs> Okay. Hit me with a sledgehammer. Sure. <laughs> I I love Pokemon still. Um, I digest some kind of Pokemon content probably on a daily basis now. Like yesterday I had a buddy over um, and we played Pokemon cards. Like we just had Pokemon cards and that's what he wanted to do. And I mean we played some other stuff like too. But... Physical IRL, like tangible yeah. Pokemon cards in sleeves. Yeah. And you shuffled them up and, like, put six prizes out. We absolutely did. And we played two till the end of it. We both remembered entirely how to play, too. That's really fun. I like that. I play Pokemon Go on, like, the downest of lows. Like, I'll probably open it once a week at this point now. And I love Pokemon Sword and Shield. That was one of the things on my... Um, on my backlog for the summer was beating the whole game again once all the way through and then also beating the DLC. So that was a, a good fun couple of hours. I just, I've never played the DLC and people actually told me it was good. I would say, yeah, I, I play and enjoy Pokemon almost every day now. That's going to be my answer. I think that's a very solid answer. I like that. What about why why are you asking me and what about yourself oh uh oh i'm asking you because we played a a game called pokemon conquest oh that game was terrible we should have never done that i'm just kidding <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh i love playing handheld rpgs and uh similar to zelda i find pokemon very comforting so i periodically play the game boy advance pokemon games when i'm like on planes or i'm traveling because you can just start and stop whenever and they're fantastic for what I call stipulation playthroughs. And these are where I have a team of like only third stage evolution Pokemon or only use single type Pokemon. And I like to do these self-imposed challenges and see if I can still beat the whole game. But when I play Pokemon, I start over from the first town and get to the end. And once I've beaten the Elite Four, I've considered that playthrough finished. And uh, I think that I play Pokemon very differently than the average person where the objective is collect them all and kind of have like a living, breathing Pokemon file where you trade and keep track of things. I just, I, to me, Pokemon is a game that you restart and play over from the beginning. Yeah, I've taken that to heart. Um, I've learned that that's your stance on Pokemon and I have been starting to do the same. My buddy is trying to collect all the Pokemon games. He had them when he was young, but... You're a young kid, and you sell it to GameStop to get money for a new game. So he's been reacquiring them, and they're expensive. But yes, I told are. him every single one that he acquired, I would play it with him. So he acquired <laughs> uh, Leaf Green, and I still have my copy of Fire Red. So we beat Leaf Green and Fire Red probably like three months ago, but it was like two days of playing together. And <laughs> it was just like I had a whole save file from Fire Red, but... I started over again because there is technology out there that lets you just put all your Pokemon from a save file into a bank 
and you can see them whenever you want and say hi to them and give them berries, I think. Or, or uh, Ponigiri? What was that? Ponigiri is what they call the sushi in Pokemon Conquest. Oh, that is right. <laughs> and it's 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 a it's a play on the word onigiri, which are yeah. those. Um, if if you've watched the Pokemon anime uh, in English, you will know them as the donuts that Ash and his friends eat. But which is uh, so silly, but whatever. They're poorly articulated as rice balls outside of Japan, but it's like it's like rice stuffed with a really tasty filling. So it's like chicken teriyaki or like grilled salmon and you can just get them at like 7-eleven so you're cruising around downtown tokyo you're a little bit hungry and instead of dipping into like mcdonald's or subway you just stop by like 7-eleven and pick up some onigiri get a bag of like bacon flavored uh doritos and a boss coffee and walk out like it's tuesday it's a great time japan's amazing yeah, and did you know that if it was a certain month in Japan while you were doing that, when you walked into a 7-Eleven with your DS and your Conquest, you could get a special Pokemon. Ooh, what special Pokemon did you get? Eevee. There's actually a couple, if I'm correct, but the one that specifically I remember from 7-Eleven is in uh, one of the months in 2012 when they had the password system. I think it's still up now, but... um. You could, yeah, go to 7-Eleven like you would a GameStop in America, and they would give you a code that allows you to get Eevee or in Pokemon Conquest. How cool is that? Yeah. We'll Imagine getting your later. Slurpee. And, yeah, I want to hear all yeah, that. Yeah, Slurpee and an Eevee, all in the same, all in the same transaction. So, uh, next uh, curveball for you. Uh, what do you think is the best traditional Pokemon game? Like Pokemon Red, Pokemon Leaf Green, Pokemon uh, Moon? Um, so, okay, like an RPG Pokemon game? Like the standard? Yeah, like the standard one that's kind of like periodically based. Okay, the eight badge type, as we would yeah, call the, it, the, I guess. Oh, uh, 16 badges in some cases, sir. Yeah, in, in some cases. Uh, dang. I have an answer, but I also want to have a runner-up. Um, okay, uh, that's, so that's acceptable. You're allowed. Instead of the, yeah, instead of the runner-up, um, it's an honorable mention that I never hear talked about, but I really want more people to play. And that's Pokemon Naranja. Oh, is which, this a, like a fan hack? Yes, but so Naranja in Spanish translates to orange. Si, and sure. Pokemon Orange is the fire red mod of the orange islands from the pokemon show that's fun and it it plays really 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 well when it comes to uh story like you start out the game with a pikachu and the first thing that happens is you catch a lapras and once you get your lapras to level 10 then it learns surf and surf is universal so once you get your lapras to level 10 beat like the first sub boss then you actually get to explore the Orange Islands as you would have from the show. And it's pretty accurate. It's really cool. But so it's almost my... like, uh, like, like Pokemon Wind Waker. Yes. Yes, indeed. Interesting. Yeah. It's something that if, you, if you're hearing this for the first time from our podcast, you should at least do a little bit of research on. And if you have done a little bit of research on and need a little bit more of a push, I would recommend it. I think you should definitely play Pokemon Naranja because it's very short too. Sorry, does it play stably on like a GBA emulator? Yeah, 
I had a copy of it physically for a little bit of time. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. My main Pokemon game. Oh god, that's so Yeah, it's Heart Gold. Like Heart Gold is the one that's the best in my opinion. Uh do you know what I think is the best one? What? Soul Silver. Uh, of course you do. Of and course you do. I love Soul Silver. Uh, I bet but... you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have your copy. I know. Uh, I'm waiting on it. <laughs> but Wait, do you, uh, you have my you have my Soul Silver or my Heart Gold? Uh, I have your Soul Silver. Okay, then Heart Gold's lost to time. <laughs> yeah. Um, huh. I I have no idea where that could be. That's a that's okay. The this you don't know where Soul Silver is. Oh no, I know where Soul Silver is. It's all okay, good. I'm pretending like, it's mine. <laughs> Damn you. That's all right. Uh, but uh, yeah, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, I think, are incredible because they are. It, it's it's the same game as Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver, but they've updated the game to include all of the quality of life stuff, all of the advancements over the two games that came out after them, like the two generations after them. So. Uh, they've updated how, like, the damage is calculated, they've updated how, uh, Pokemon have abilities, um, but the thing that transformed my Soul Silver playthrough, what made it, like, I'm having a good time to, okay, this is just amazing, is when I caught a Stantler, and Stantler has the special ability Frisk, which allows you to see if the opposing Pokemon that you're battling against has a held item, and... What's interesting is that one of the areas right after you catch or where Stantler is available has Magnemites. And Magnemites have a random chance of holding an item called Metal Coat that you need to evolve Scyther into Scizor and Onyx into Steelix. So before I had four badges in Soul Silver, I already had Steelix and Scizor, and it was incredible. And it is one of my favorite playthroughs of Pokemon I've ever done. Nice. I love Stantler. So, uh, special <laughs> shout-out to Stantler. Special shout-out to Stantler. You the real one. Uh, I've got another tricky one for you. Okay. Uh, what would you say are the three best Pokemon spin-off games? Pokemon Puzzle League. Fair. That's a good answer. Um, Pokemon Stadium 2. Interesting. The do you like the mini game modes? Like, do you do you like doing the like Ekans and um, the Ekans game where you throw rings around? Uh, is it Diglett? Yeah, I believe so. That um, game is so weird. I love that like mini game modes just used to be included in everything. Yeah, but mini game modes are so fun. Like mini games are miniature games. You can just play them whenever you want, and you don't have to be invested. Sometimes yeah, that's of, what you're in the mood for. Have all of your friends come over and play. Um, Pokemon Stadium four player mode for two hours. Yeah. Uh but also like just random uh Pokemon in the stadium mode. Just like get a random team and go in and see how far you get. See how you do. So what's your uh third game then? Oh man. There's a correct answer. There's a correct answer? Well how about you There's give me how about you give me two and then we'll we'll see if we get the third one. So I won't share the correct answer, but uh, yeah. my, my other two are uh, Pokemon Snap on N64. We talked about this earlier. It's a, it's a rail shooter where you take pictures. And yeah. I would love to pick up the new Pokemon Snap on Switch, but it's 40 pounds right now, and I just don't want to spend 40 pounds on that. Okay. 
Uh, and then my other one, uh, only because I played it recently, is uh, Pokemon Pinball Ruby and Sapphire on Game Boy Advance, and it's just that, so refreshing. It's so good. That is, oh man, I <laughs> that's a game that's on my list to acquire one of these days because I've only ever been able to rent it, and every single time that I have, and I've played it on an emulator. Every single mm. time that I've played it, though, it's just oodles of fun. It's just so good. It's so clean. It's just such a nice game. But I think I know what the answer is, Mr. K, and I, I agree with you on an almost fundamental level. Okay, uh, why don't you uh, reveal? It is Pokemon TCG 2. Yes, here comes yes. TGR! Exclamation point. What oh, an man. absolutely incredible game. It, it is. I will give you that one. I have been, it's on my summer backlog to be. I'm almost done with it. But Have it's... you not, like, beat up King GR? No, I haven't beat up King GR. Character oh, yeah. named King GR? Yes, his name is King GR. And you know what his gimmick is? What is it? So all of the bosses on GR Island have a gimmick. So, like... One of them is like all Pokemon deal ten percent more or deal one additional damage counter worth of damage. That's the part of map, by the way. Uh, another one is like water Pokemon have no weaknesses. Another one is like grass Pokemon can't be asleep, confused, or paralyzed. But uh, so there's, there's a bunch of different gimmicks for the fights, and some of them are really good and interesting. And the the question is, do you build a deck to counter the bonus, or do you build a deck to exploit? The bonus, and uh, it's it's a it's a fun uh, little game. Enhancer. Yeah, I can but, agree with that. I it test your deck building skills the most in that area. But yeah, what what's King Gr's gimmick? Uh, he has four different decks, and you have to battle against two of them selected randomly in succession. Okay, that's not that bad. I thought it was it, something like Imakuni every turn. That would be bananas. But no, no, no. But like, it's it's just fun. Like, you battle against him. I think he gives you like four booster packs for beating him. So like, he's uh, you, you regularly wind up playing against him once you complete the game. Okay, good to know. So uh, anybody that's listening to this should be able to gather that you and I both really like Pokemon. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> no, so, our listeners uh, are like, yeah, these guys, oh, man, why they're terrible. Uh, if it's not apparent by uh, that question that we just answered, uh, why is this game in our backlog? And I already have the answer, because it's a Pokemon tactical RPG, and that's everything that the two of us love baked into a single pack. Agreed. 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 So uh, the actual factual reason is that I was doing a bunch of research into DS games so that I could assemble a collection once I got my 3DS, and I have no idea where, when, how, or why but I found this game, and I just started laughing at the concept of it. And I immediately put it into my Christmas presents for JT list, because I knew that you would dig it. And uh, when I was buying it for you, I found somebody on eBay who was selling two copies at once for practically the price of one. So uh, I, I just, how could I say no? And this game is a truly bizarre addition to any collection, and I highly recommend everybody plays it. Uh, so uh, another tough question for you is, uh, would you say this is a better or worse present than Legend of Korra? Oh, man. Oh, that's an incredible question. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, this is a really, really good present, I, but it's got to be under Korra for me. 
Is like, that because you, did, like, you couldn't have fathomed that Legend of Korra existed? Legend of Korra is a game that has, for me, an obscene amount of people who have seen me play it and asked, what are you playing? And when I explain the concept to them, they almost buy it in a heartbeat. <laughs> as soon as they stop vomiting. They yeah. <laughs> it's one of those where all I have to say at the end is, and it's $5. And they're like, well, okay, I'm on, I'm on eBay right now. Let's find me a copy. I, I guess I have to buy it. <laughs> uh, so uh, what is this game's reputation to us? Because uh, I've, I had never heard of this game before doing research for it. And uh, I like I said it earlier, I was very unfamiliar with uh, Nobunaga's ambition. So I had very I had, I had no expectations for what this game is. Yeah, so I have played oh man, I'm trying to look it up right now. It was on the PS2. Uh, but from what I know about Nobunaga's ambition is it it's like what we're playing in Pokemon Conquest, just in a little bit more of a Dynasty Warriors like fashion. It it focuses a lot more on big, large scale army fights. Versus, um, like, the little tactical moment-to-moment gameplay that comes with the tactical RPG. So but, is it more like an RTS, or is it like um, uh, like Ogre Battle? No, so the newer games are more Dynasty Warrior-focused, but the old games, actually, if you look them up, they are all strategy games. Like, you would be hard-pressed to find an old version of Nobunaga's Ambition that doesn't look like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem. They look very similar. And they use... They change up their gameplay mechanics quite a bit, but, like, the difference that I think is the coolest is they don't use, like, a square grid. They use a hexagonal grid. So it adds... Uh, the um, Famicom Wars games do that. Yeah, that's kind of where this comes from, is Nobunaga's Ambition was, I believe, uh, not a spin-off, but, like, in that same vein of Famicom Wars. Uh, Famicom Wars was brought over to the United States and Europe as Advance Wars, so if you know of Advance Wars, you know of Famicom Wars. They're just uh, um, obviously Famicom for the uh, Nintendo Famicom. Yeah, which is uh, equivalent of the NES for anybody that's unacquainted. Yeah, and the difference would be that you have this kind of conquering mechanic like you're finding in Pokemon Conquest, where you go to a specific location, do a a battle or a sequence of battles that are tactical RPG-like, and then you kind of conquer that territory if you win. And the main story progression is you conquering Japan in a way. Or it's saving Japan for the kids at home when you're playing Conquest. Yeah, in Pokemon Conquest, you save the world. <laughs> you're not really uh, a conqueror, but you're a conqueror. Yeah. Uh, so, um, what's this game like? And what sets this game apart? So, uh, for me, it's just the one-sentence summary of the game, a Pokemon tactical RPG. And that, it just it gets my attention, and if I'd known that this game existed, I would already own a copy. What? Mr. Facts is evolving. Congratulations. Your Mr. Facts evolved into Mr. Uniqueness. You are so. such a dad now. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Okay. 
Welcome to our brand new segment where JT breaks down the key uniqueness factors of games that we cover to tell you what makes this game worth considering for your backlog. Now you have the floor, sir. Okay, so um, the thing I wanted to talk about today in our podcast is um, DLC uniqueness and the idea of time-gated DLC, Mr. Mr. Kevin. Because we have both beaten Pokemon Conquest, correct? Uh, yes, I did finish it. I didn't do anything in the post game. I, I just, as soon as I beat Nobunaga, um, I uh, I smiled and satisfactorily, satisfactorily, with satisfaction, I closed my 3DS. <laughs> well, did you know that there is quite a bit of DLC that is not available to us anymore, solely because it was given to us in a window of time. And if you did not obtain this DLC in that window of time, then you do not have access to it ever. Ever at all. There's Ever like, at all. Uh, yeah. Dang. The reason I wanted to bring this up as an idea is Pokemon has been doing this for a very, very long time. And I think that this is one of the things that makes Pokemon... It takes away from the game's quality. Because... You're talking about, like, the event tickets and things where you can catch Celebi and things? Yeah. And this game takes it, but it uses it as a story point. So, like, this is extra story to the game that we do not get instead of Pokemon. But now the Pokemon as well is kind of interesting because the other mechanic is the password system. I was telling you previously that when the time came for a certain, I think it was, like, every three weeks or so, but it, it looks like it's all over the place. Um, Pokemon Conquest would allow for DLC in the form of a password to where you could enter into your game and get the Pokemon. You can only do it once a month, but now that we're well past the year 2012, we have access to all of these passwords, and we can just put them in, which is interesting to me because they have these two systems that actively go against each other but are the same thing like both of them are free dlc that is based on a timer but one of them still exists in the year 2021 and one of them does not so what you're telling me is that koei tecmo pioneered day one dlc (laughs) i wouldn't say day one but like rolling dlc um, well, I mean, if, if you can still plug the password into your game and it unlocks something, that means that that was hard-coded into the game on day one, and they knew. Uh, so is... Right, but is I think the that pass- that's the is same... Is the password system more or less offensive than Javik being uh, DLC locked behind a $10 barrier in Mass Effect 3? <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to get into that conversation because it's already egregious that we have to pay. So much for DLC nowadays. Like, if if you take away anything from this segment right here, is know that in 2012, you were just given free DLC. And it's a lot. Like, there are, I would say, at least 50 or 60 Pokemon here that you... Oh, I'm sorry. That's two, two lists of the same thing. So about 30 Pokemon that you can just get for free because Nintendo just wanted to give it to you. Now we don't live in that age, and that's sad. But I have some questions Today. for you, Kevin. Oh, just just before you do that, do those Pokemon automatically go to your protagonist character, or can you distribute them among your warlords? I believe you can distribute them amongst your warlords. This list is amazing. Chimchar, uh, 
Riolu, Pikachu, Larvitar, Beldum, Darmanitan, Gibble, Dratini, Gyarados. Like, there's so much on here that I want that I ha- I do have access to. But once I've beaten the game, I want to play the extra story, right? So mm. if I can't play the extra story, then it's kind of not relevant to me to have the Pokemon. Because now I've closed my DS and I don't want to play that game anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I've, I have completed this. Goodbye. Yeah. Unless you gave me more to complete, I'm not going to add more to the game. Um, Absolutely. I mean, uh, is there a new game plus mode to this? I believe so. I believe you can do... Yeah, you can do New Game Plus a couple times, because that's how you get the big legendaries. So what is your opinion of games having DLC that only exist in a specific window of time? So, uh, when it comes to stuff like a GameStop exclusive, like if you buy Dishonored, and you bought it, and you pre-ordered it through GameStop, and you get, like, um, like a Bone Charm or something... Uh, I think that that's kind of fun and cool. And um, I kind of like the the, the, that there's something special to, like, the people who were interested day one in a game. But I also think that it's a little bit disappointing for somebody in, like, 10 years' time who could pick up Dishonored secondhand from a GameStop and not be able to get that kind of cool bonus thing. But, for instance, um, when I actually played through Mass Effect Andromeda, but, <laughs> uh, one of the day one DLC things was a, uh, a solid gold car that you drive around in. That's so, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I cruise around in my solid gold car, <laughs> shooting the aliens, and... Um, uh, genuinely, my enjoyment of that game is far greater because I know that not everybody has the solid gold car. So uh, it, it's so I, I I see both angles, but uh, when 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 I am the recipient of these bonuses, I like it. When I'm not the recipient of these bonuses, I cross my fingers. Okay, and then my next question is, what do you think of the password system now that it's been described to you? Uh, I think it's really cool. I like, especially if you can distribute the Pokemon how you want to, uh, there are definitely points in this game where there's a sharp difficulty curve, and it would be great to just, like, give yourself Gibble, give yourself Dratini, give yourself, like, Pokemon that kind of traditionally become very powerful, and then you can duke it out with a few kind of crummy battles and get yourself, like, a Dragonair, and then go back and be a more challenging region. I mean, I didn't know that this was in the game, so I didn't feel like it was missing. But now that I'm aware of it, like I absolutely would have cheated in this playthrough. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I learned about this pretty much towards the end, and I was like, I don't need this. Like, I wish If I had known about this at the very beginning, I would have 100% abused it in every way, shape, or form. Yeah, I'm going to start this game with Gibble. That sounds rad. Does it, though? Have a Garchomp by the end and then just destroy the rest of the game? I mean, uh, it, it's it's uh, the eternal question of uh, do you enable God Mode? Is the game more fun with God Mode enabled? And I think in some cases, yes. So, Kevin, my final question is I want you to rate this like we would normally rate a backlog game on a scale of 1 to 5 being you want 
one being a thing you do not want in any of your games, and five being a thing you want in all of your games. What do you got for me? So uh, I think that the kind of high-level theory behind this is, do I want games that allow me to either adjust difficulty or distribute power-ups to me uh, by inputting a cheat code? And with a game like Pokemon, and if we apply this to other tactical RPGs, so if so, like take Gibble for example. You and I both know that Gibble is a very powerful Pokemon that evolves into an extraordinarily powerful Pokemon. So having a code that at the beginning of the game lets me on playthrough two just cheat into my file a very powerful Pokemon I find very 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 fun, and um, I think that the impetus is on the player to determine how much how many cheat codes they want to apply, but. Um, I've been looking into how to play the Fantasy Star games recently. And what a lot of people recommend is um, there are recent releases of, say, Fantasy Star 1, where you can just tell this, like, 1987 or whenever it came out RPG to give you triple experience because you don't want to grind, give you triple money because you don't want to grind. Um, and the, the, the recent Final Fantasy games have, like, you can just set it so that you always have limit break in Final Fantasy VII. You can accelerate walking speed. You can uh, give yourself additional experience points and stuff. And right. I think that player-modified difficulty is really good when uh, you are letting the player gauge for themselves what they like. So I think that in the context of a Pokemon game, in the context of a tactical game, and in the context of an RPG, in those three arenas, I think player-modified difficulty through unlocking powerful items and abilities and resources through passwords is a very cool mechanic. So I'd give it a four out of five. Nice. There you go. How about yourself? Where, gonna, what would you rate this? You said it as eloquently as possible. I was going to give it a four. This is one of the things that I want in as many games as possible, but not if it's cost prohibitive. And, Absolutely. That's a big and, ask. Yeah. And not if it's time prohibitive. Like the reason I explained the differences is because one of these is a good system and one of them is a bad. And they're both related to distributing content to the game over time. And even if it's in a time gated window, like, that that's kind of the only modifier to both of the ideas versus what makes it good or bad. So yeah, I give it a four, but that's my segment. So uh, let's get into the uh, story of Pokemon Conquest. If you are braced and ready. I'm bracing. So in this game, you play as an anonymous silent protagonist who has recently elected himself or herself the normal Pokemon type region warlord. Uh, and in this Pokemon feudal Japan island uh, called Ronsai, there are 17 regions, one for each Pokemon type, minus fairy, because I don't think that existed yet. Is fairy in this game? I want to say it is, honest to God. I think fairy is in the game, but don't it, quote me on that. I can may, maybe, maybe fairy's in this game? I'm not sure. In any event, there are 17 regions in this game. And the legends say, if you unite all 17 regions, you will have a chance to catch the ultimate Pokemon. Blah, blah, blah. How many times have you heard this story? 
At least once. At least once. So uh, your anonymous robo-protagonist has a chance encounter with a girl named Oichi, who lets our protagonist know that the evil Nobunaga is planning to conquer all 17 regions so that he can catch the ultimate Pokemon in order to rule everyone. Uh, and the only way to stop his evil plan is to conquer all 17 regions yourself so that he can't. Yeah, a tall order when you're, uh, like, waking up for the first time and you don't have words. Yeah, you cannot speak. You've just had breakfast and this gal is just like, so, gotta go conquer a bunch of people. Yeah, think so. of it. He can't say no. He's a silent protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he can't even shake his head. <laughs> he's trapped in that one uh, little, uh, little image. Oh, so did you play as a dude? Yeah, I did. Cool. Uh, I did as well. I thought about playing as a uh, female character just um, in case anything is different. Like, I, I wondered if Oichi was a male character if you played as a female character, but that is not how it works. So That's for playthrough, uh, too. Yeah. Oh, but Oichi's always a female character. So like, oh, okay. I, 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 I wondered if they swapped it around, because that would be kind of interesting. But uh, once you've conquered all 17 regions, you do get to meet the ultimate Pokemon, Arceus. And somehow, Nobunaga gets a shiny Rayquaza, and then you have a showdown with him in this rad-as-heck final battle uh, where you're controlling an unkillable god Pokemon. Uh, and then after you've um, uh, beat up Nobunaga, you then let everyone go back to not being conquered because you're benevolent and all of this violence was meaningless and the true conquest was the friends that made along the way. Right, 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 right. Um, Is that about right? That That's exactly how that goes. Um, but can we also take a moment to say that that fight is awesome in terms oh, of a yeah. tactical RPG? That was oh, everything yeah. I wanted in the end of the game. Uh, so good. Uh, one of the best 11th hour superpowers I've seen in a very long time is just like, you have an unkillable god Pokemon, you win. Yeah, and it's fighting um, a golden car version of Rayquaza. Yeah, it's the yeah, it, it's it's a, a shiny Rayquaza. Rayquaza doesn't matter, uh, and shiny Rayquaza is black uh, and just looks cool as heck. But it's the equivalent of like the the solid gold day one DLC. It's just cool. Uh, so uh, JT, will you uh, please take a second with me? Okay. Imagine that you're running your little Pokemon region. Oh dear. Fill in with your dudes. Then okay. Some some mute warlord shows up with their Jigglypuff wielding gal pal. They beat you up, they take your base, and they conscript you. Only to give you everything back the second they beat up some dude named Nobunga. And that's just a crazy week in this game's bananas. <laughs> wow. Um, did you write that in a fever dream? Uh, that I, I was constantly thinking about that while I was playing this game. <laughs> like it was, it was all I could think about because, um, uh, I thought that the electric region lady was really cool because, um, uh, she has electric Pokemon. I think she has, um, a Shinx and I've always really liked Shinx. So I just, she was always in my party cause I thought she was cool. And I regularly just thought about what her perspective on all of this was. <laughs> Yeah, she gets real with you real quick. <laughs> yes, she does. Uh, but I would like to draw your attention to the the message, the the moral of Pokemon Conquest, because okay. this game posits that the only way to stop tyranny is to become a more powerful and fearsome tyrant. 
and it accidentally becomes a critique of war, and I don't think that the writers intended that. Uh, so I would like to rebrand this as Poke Ops the Line. Um, uh, nope, it's still going to be Pokemon Conquest. That was a good try, though. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like, this game, yeah. it has no idea what it's trying to say. Yeah, that's that's the hardest part about a story specifically about war, but also a kid's game. Like, they tried to make conquering Japan as kid-friendly as possible, and it, it, it works in some places, but in others it gets very real, and you're like, ooh, man, I don't... Was this supposed to be for kids? I'm glad I'm playing it as an adult, because little me would have thought that I was doing something very bad here. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, the major characters of Pokemon Conquest. Uh, Oichi is our main character and uh, the protagonist of this game. And uh, can you think of a good reason why we're not just playing as Oichi? Um, that's not a trick know. question. That's not a rhetorical question. That's a general oh. question. Uh, because she had, she doesn't have a gibble. Like that's all I can think of. Well, I mean, you could put in the password and give her a gibble. Sure, but, like, halfway through the game. Yeah, but, like, she's got a Jigglypuff. Might as well be a gibble. Her Jigglypuff is trash. <laughs> like, if that's what you're trying to make me say, like, that Jigglypuff is poop, and I wish I never had the fight with it. Yeah, but she's she's got the most powerful ability in all of the game. She can just heal everybody. So, like, did you ever do a battle without Oichi and Eugene? No, because you pretty much couldn't. Yeah, she's she's too powerful. But this is going to be my new question anytime that we play a game with a silent protagonist who isn't Doom Guy, because uh, Do- Doom Guy chooses not to speak, whereas other uh, silent protagonists. Don't know. This is very true. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, so uh, why can't you make a custom character if who you're playing as is meaningless? You, I mean. Because I really, 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 really want to give my hero a man bun and fix people. Oh color. my god. The man bun would have been acceptable in this game, Kevin. <laughs> it would have been rad. Uh, in my playthrough of uh, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, Robin is a stern middle-aged man with a man bun. <laughs> it's so bad. It's the grossest thing to look at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, next time, uh, I'm I'm halfway through that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start opening that up and sending you random screenshots of Robin doing things. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, so uh, Nobunaga is kind of the only other real character in this game, and I often misread his name as Nobunga, like he was a caveman. And um, <laughs> so he he wanted to conquer everyone to make peace, but everyone was only at war because he started a war. Uh, do you understand any of the plot of this game? Uh, yeah, what I read into was that Nobunga basically said, I've got a big scary Pokemon, and I'm now the champion of this region, so everyone else go be gym leaders for me, and if anyone tries to fight us, then we're not even going to give them badges. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the 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 real the the real jerk move of nobunga is that he doesn't even give people badges yeah instead we're just collecting people yeah oh my god um there's the 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 conscription mechanic is bizarre um but we'll we'll, we'll get into that with gameplay in a second uh did you have anything else you want to talk about the plot of this game 
No, the plot's kind of non-existent, but it's a Pokemon game, so it's meant to be very simple and concise and digestible for kids, which is rough because this, like we said, is a game about war, so you're kind of downplaying all of the the context of what you're actually doing in the game in service for it's about friendship. Yeah, it's it doesn't do itself any favors. No. So the core gameplay of Pokemon Conquest is your typical uh, grid-based tactical RPG goodness. Uh, you move units around a map, and uh, they have unique abilities to mix things up. Uh, and in Pokemon Conquest, naturally, the Pokemon weakness and resistance mechanics are in play here. So uh, it's like a triangle where fire beats grass, grass beats water, water beats fire, and you can spread that across the 17 types. So uh, you kind of mix and match the structure of your team based on the enemy team's weaknesses and resistances. And uh, so you have a good, you, you as the player make a team with a good mixture of Pokemon. You have an army and you swap them out at your disposal. So you can either assemble like a homogenous or heterogeneous team depending on the situation. So if you know that you're battling a bunch of Pokemon of the same type, uh, like when you go to the water area, you get a bunch of electric and grass type Pokemon and you just hose them. But later in the game, they actually mix up stuff and kind of throw in some monkey wrenches to your plan. So if you're battling against the dark uh, gym leader, they'll have some good counters to like bug type and ghost type Pokemon that are effective against dark type. So they'll have like a fire Pokemon to beat up your bugs. It's very straightforward. Yeah, but the thing that's really cool about the gameplay is that it's a tactical RPG. Like, where this changes the normal formula is you have six things that you're balancing up in the air at once versus the opponent, but instead of 1v1 fights, you're 6v6. So that's kind of where the strategy comes in line to a game like this, is actually figuring out how you get your entire party to fight at the same time. Effectively as like a squad, and yeah. it's, it's 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 typical tactical RPG goodness. Yeah. So uh, battles in Pokemon Conquest are blissfully quick, and you are rewarded for winning quickly by enemy warriors capitulating and joining your team, but only if they're defeated within the first three turns of a battle. And this also includes the powerful warlords who rule over various regions, who are indispensable unique units once they're recruited to your cause. And I think that they have unique dialogue in certain scenarios, which is fun. So a skillful player will end up with teams almost exclusively constructed with warlords because they're just the best units that you get. Generally, their Pokemon are stronger and they themselves are stronger. So they're just better. You just use them. They're really good. Yeah, this this mechanic and form of gameplay is probably one of the best aspects of this game. Like, the battle, battles being quick are important because you feel like you can digest little chunks of the game efficiently, but there's always this want to go back and acquire the Pokemon of the gym leader. Like, and that's kind of what I did. I, even though I fought every single battle, I probably fought every single battle more than once just because I wanted to get the gym leader stuff because they're strong and they are useful for the next wave of gym leaders that you encounter yeah it took me a while to realize that you could recruit the gym leaders or warlords same thing those those can be used interchangeably uh, yeah. 
but it took it uh, and genuinely after I realized that you could recruit them uh, I almost started over because I missed like at least three and early game because my tap I, I assumed that they were on recruitable so I didn't beat them in three turns if that makes sense which is so funny because the heuristic of playing a Pokemon game is they are. Like, you go up against a gym leader or a trainer and you can't throw a Pokeball at their Pokemon. They'll knock it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's rude. Don't try to catch another person's Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> but this time we're putting humans and Pokemon into Pokeballs. Uh, each, uh, ro- each of the 17 Ronsai regions has a unique battle mechanic. So some of them will have, like, teleportation panels or burning lava and those add layers of strategy to them, and they're all themed around the region's Pokemon elemental type, so like fire, so like lava in the fire gym. So one arena has rotating platforms that are activated with switches, so you can situationally rotate your opponents into advantageous spots for you to attack them. Or you can move them directly into their allies' line of fire to shut down potential attacks. Uh, there's a stage that has, like, giant... Uh, wrecking balls and if you hit them they strike other Pokemon and so you you can attack units from across the stage with these giant bowling balls basically what did you think of the uh, region mechanics I thought they were very interesting they added gameplay to tactical RPGs in a way I hadn't seen before like the and I mean, not entirely, but like the boulder mechanic was not something I expected to see in my battle. And knowing that it was very important to deal with was like, I basically had to restart that battle because I'm like, okay, now I need to actually understand this mechanic or it's going to beat me every single time. Yeah, part of the fun and the strategy of this game is how much of it is like figured out on the fly that I think mm-hmm. is uh, very well done. Yeah, it's uh, good so level design. The kind of minute-to-minute of the battles, it's genuinely delightful and thrilling when you like pull off a battle and recruit every enemy unit from the battle. You feel like Sun Tzu. Like, you feel like you're, you're Mr. Strategy because you beat up a bunch of other people's Pokemon. Uh, so outside of battles, everything gets annoyingly complicated. So try to keep with it. Uh, your squad is assembled of warriors, not Pokemon. And those warriors wield Pokemon like weapons and can have multiple Pokemon. So warriors themselves have their own set of stats and abilities, which determine how effectively they can be used as well as how effectively they can use a given Pokemon. And then Pokemon have their own stats and abilities, which determine how effectively they can be used in battle. So you have to keep track of two sets of information in order to determine who who you should be using. And the game makes it incredibly difficult to sift through any of that information quickly or effectively or on a mass scale. So towards the end of the game, you'll have anywhere between like 30 or 40 warriors. Uh, Each of them potentially has multiple Pokemon each. And it's just a nightmare to juggle. And um, towards the end of the game, uh, I just I had six people that I constantly used. And I, I, I think after, with, with five or six regions left, I just stopped even caring about weakness and resistances and would just charge in with the six people that were already in my party. I, I did effectively the same thing. Except I like games like this where you have to 
juggle a whole bunch of different things at once if you want the most optimal team. And pretty much up until Nobunaga, I was I had a consistent four, and the last two I would switch out based on what was the right thing to have for the region I was going into, but also what the best thing was. Because that, that's kind of just how I play games like this. Yeah. So I, I like when it's like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance and you've got like 10 units and you want to have an extra Banga or you want to have an extra Numu. But I feel like the menu interface in this game is nested in a really weird way. And it feels like you should be able to like press L or R and switch to the next warrior, the next Pokemon. But all of it's way overcomplicated. And if you think about how elegant the menu system in Tactics A2 was, and I think in that game you could find anything you need to know about any unit within like four clicks of entering the squad menu. And in this game, there's at least three different menus where you can look through all of your units. And they just, they, they, they don't nest neatly. They don't make orderly logical sense to my brain. Yeah, they are a little rough. Uh, uh, going back to keeping track of your team, rather than using Pokeballs or some amusingly contrived feudal Japan equivalent, you have emotional links with Pokemon uh, that are based on the warrior and the Pokemon's innate compatibility. So a fire-type warrior is more effective with fire-type Pokemon, but uh, because of the link mechanic, they might only ever farm they might only ever form strong bonds with water Pokemon. So sometimes uh, you kind of have to just, like, if, if you have a good warrior, just use good Pokemon with them instead of worrying too much about type matching and things. Uh, and sometimes you'll get a perfect link with a Pokemon, which allows them to grow faster and reach a higher total potential. And um, any warrior can link with any viable Pokemon by playing a little rhythm game to build a little meter. And like it takes two or three tries, but you ultimately catch the Pokemon and then that warrior can continue to use that. Uh, I could not find a way to sh like trade Pokemon among warriors. I looked a lot, but couldn't find that. Is trading Pokemon a mechanic in this game? I don't believe so. I couldn't find that either. I'm going to say no, but I'm sure there might be a way. I, I, I think I even looked it up twice, but I, I'm, I'm confident that you cannot. Uh, and if, if you can, like maybe you can trade Pokemon between players or you could trade Warriors between players, potentially. Uh, it's really odd that you can't do that. It's really odd that you can't. Like in, in, in a Pokemon world, you can't trade Pokemon. But I guess I guess the like in-universe thing is that like that Pokemon is that person's friend, maybe. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It they play a lot on the idea that Pokemon are specifically tied to one person. Like if you look at all the gym leaders, um who's a Yoshihiro, his uh girder is in the same pose that he is. And most of the Pokemon that you find attached to a like a gym leader or any warrior they have, like, the same style of how the stylized character is. Right? Oh, when you say that, I can conjure that in my mind, and that's a really good point. Yeah, like, the coolest thing about looking at this game is, look at Nobunaga. Him and Zekrom just kind of look like they should be a pair. Same with uh, Shingen and Groudon and Kenshin and Mewtwo. Uh, 
who oh man i'm trying to think like even oichi like her and jigglypuff just she looks like a jigglypuff yeah so the game probably plays the most on that the warriors are meant to have a single genuine link with one pokemon because that's the character design Mm. okay well when you put it like that fair enough but wouldn't it have been funny to take oichi's jigglypuff away from her Oh, God, I feel like that'd just be rude, but I would do it. <laughs> I'd give yeah. her a Clefairy. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're identical Pokemon. <laughs> Same thing, yeah. So uh, each Pokemon in this game has unique attacks and abilities, so two different bug-type Pokemon can behave very differently. And when you evolve a given Pokemon, you never know what their next form is going to be able to do. So it could have a new ability, it could have a new attack compared to what it did previously. Oh, Pokemon only have one attack in this game, and they can only ever have one attack, and they only ever have one ability. So it's a fun surprise, and it's challenging, because you have to reconfigure your strategies when you get new and different Pokemon that you're unfamiliar with. So uh, like when you evolve Jigglypuff into Wigglytuff, uh, it's now a completely different kettle of fish. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, and we haven't started talking about the like minor mechanics of this game. Like you can manage regions once they're conquered, and you have to manage your Pokemon's moods so that they're happier while they're fighting other Pokemon. Uh, and the game gets really bloated with these bizarre mechanics that you can do and keep track of. But ultimately, the best strategy is just like tell the person that's in charge of a given region to just train everyone all the time so that you have backup squads ready for the next rotation. Because you just need extra guys. But uh, early in the game, you're warned that enemy regions might attack your regions. But I have never experienced that. Did anybody ever attack one of your regions? Yes, all the time. And Really? Yeah, which is funny that you say that you just kind of trained everyone all the time. I did the same thing, but that was because I was being attacked. Like, there was a point where... I. I can't remember if I actually lost the region or not. Yeah, I totally did. I lost the region, and then the Pokemon just, they're evacuated. They evacuate to other um, regions that you have conquered. And that was tough, because that locked off the next portion of the game for me. I had to, I was on the other side of the map, so I had to rally back and actually spend more time and resources because I allowed a region to get conquered to defeat that region just so I could progress in the game. And once that happened, I'm like, I don't want to get conquered again, so I'm training everyone up. And that's all I did, but that's because I actually was getting attacked. So uh, do you know what you were doing that initiated the uh, an enemy region to attack you? Because genuinely, no one ever attacked me. No, it felt entirely random. Um, yeah, it felt random. I couldn't think of any other scenario that might have initially caused it the only thing i can think of is around the time where you unlock more nations because the game the way this game progresses is you beat x amount of gym leaders like the first three and then you unlock like the next four and there's 17 in total so it's kind of split into those so it's kind of like personal chunks of the game that you get to traverse and every time i'd get to the next chunk of that game it felt like I was getting attacked more often. Okay, so like when there were three regions that you could assault, right. one of those regions would like slap back? Yeah. Okay. 
I I I I wish that I'd been attacked more. I wish that that had been part of my gameplay experience. I wonder. I, I might look that up later. So, uh, general game feel. Uh, there were 649 Pokemon at the time of release, and I genuinely have never seen half of the Pokemon that are in this game. Uh, I know some Gen 4 Pokemon, but I've never touched Gen 5. And I played Pokemon Moon for, like, maybe the first two badges. So, uh, a lot of the Pokemon that were in this game were really interesting to me, and it almost felt like a fan game with, like, made-up Pokemon. Uh, so I thought that it was very interesting. Uh, were you familiar with all of the Pokemon in this game? hundred percent. I've played every Pokemon game. Oh, uh, duh. There you this, go. Well, this is what I would say the tightest group of Pokemon I have played with. Like the Pokemon you find here are in, in my own personal opinion, the best ofs. Like if I could condense all of the Pokemon games going forward, because right now there's, at the time of release, there were 649. There's like about a thousand Pokemon now, and I personally think it needs to be condensed. That's a little bit too much. This game does a really good job of condensing it. Like, it does feel like the best of the best are on this cast list. Yeah, I loved seeing Charmanders, and as soon as I got a guy with a Charmander, he was just permanently in my party. Uh, I wish that I could have got the fire gym leader and like caught a Charmander with him. Can you ever recruit the fire gym leader? I believe so, yeah. Because he, I, I think that you battle him before they introduce the recruitment mechanic. I, well, you can go back and get gym leaders. Can you? Like, if yeah. you go back to the region? Yeah. Oh. That, that's generally how you do it. Oh, I all of the gym leaders that I got, I got from the battle that I beat them in. Well, the rule is whatever battle... Okay, yeah, that that is a thing, too. And that's kind of how I got most of them. But you can always go back, because the rule is, in that battle, if you beat them within three turns, then you can acquire them. Mm-hmm. And that's just universal. Okay, well, uh, uh, play through two. I will uh, definitely get the fire dude. But... Um, so, uh, I think that this game, the game feels kind of clunky, and it kind of feels like they've got, like, a cookie-cutter design for the Nobunaga's Ambition games, and this was, like, the flavor of the week, and it kind of lacks polish in a lot of areas, but it does really feel like it was made by a veteran team at the same time. So they've got stuff like the, like, the, the boulder battle area, and like the um, the water bridge mechanics, and like one of the stages is like capture the flag, and there's so many cool, good game design things that are going on that it's it it almost feels like two different games. Like the in battle worlds are impeccably crafted, but the out of battle worlds it really feels like they've been doing the same mechanic. They've been using the same system since, like, 1991. So the Nobunaga's Ambition part of this game is... The Nobunaga's Ambition part of this game feels the most watered down to me because if you've played a Nobunaga's Ambition game, it just is more fleshed out. Like, it can be, and it's more exciting because if you're going to play a game like that, you understand complex systems and you want to play a game with more complex systems. 
It's why Dynasty Warriors is fun for some people because that management aspect along with the like large scale combat is appealing. You know about Dynasty Warriors 7, right? Yeah, it's the best it's... game that's ever been printed. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, got, it's got all of the features of Dynasty Warriors 6 but with the gameplay of Dynasty Warriors 5. <laughs> <laughs> and... So the management for this game is the one thing that kind of holds it back from being as good as it could be. Like, if they had just dove deeper into the tactical RPG, like Final Fantasy tactical RPG aspects, I think this game would have been a little bit better. But there's also mechanics that I would have cut. I Honestly, I couldn't tell you what mechanics I would cut now, but there's just a little bit of fluff to everything. And... There's- bunch of warriors that have abilities like um like you activate their ability and they can't be poisoned for three turns and it's like why do you have that ability in right in what corner case would i ever possibly have that or like you can there's equipable items for pokemon and some of your pokemon plus five attack and then other items are like if your Pokemon is paralyzed, it will automatically use this item and not be paralyzed again. And in competition Pokemon, like if you're playing, like if you and I were playing Pokemon against each other, bringing status healing items attached to Pokemon might be a good idea. But there's so much crap in this game. It's just like, like I'm never going to use that. There's never going to be a situation where I'm going to bring that with me. And the one time I went to the Poison Pokemon gym, I, I equipped some of my Pokemon with, like, antidotes. And I didn't even need them, because I beat all of my enemies in three turns or fewer. Well, hold on. So does this game have difficulty? Like, can you um, change it to hard mode? I do not know. Okay. I will, I will defend this game on the concept of it having a harder difficulty. Because if it did, then that's when you would probably be using those items a whole bunch more. Because if I remember... At the beginning, and I, I definitely could be wrong, but I think there is difficulty. And one of the things I played on easy, uh, <laughs> or whatever, whatever easy would be. And easy you kind of tells you, I do not. I, I really do not. Um, <laughs> it's funny though, because if I for these games, because they're in our backlog, and I'm just like, well, I'm just gonna chunk through this. Um, like I think my game time was like eight hours. I always favor generically more powerful over situationally useful when choosing equipment and stuff. But I feel like this game is missing an awful lot of team customization options. That is true. So many warriors just have awful stats and awful abilities. And I'm just, I'm never going to use the little old lady that has five attack, five magic attack, five defense, and five magic defense. Like, she's never going to be in my party. Why? Why are there bad characters? Like, I guess it's to augment the difficulty of the game. If you want to self-impose, I'm all, I'm going to have a team exclusively of little old ladies. Like, if that would be a fun time for your playthrough, I suppose. But there would often be, like, bonkers, crazy, powerful Pokemon that just lived eternally underneath some warrior with awful stats. The Pokemon are kind of treated like equipment, in gameplay terms. So, like, even being able to trade Pokemon amongst warriors and warlords, I think, would have gone a long way to make this game more customizable. I think so, too. Maybe having a little bit more towards, like, 
attack variety or changing up how a Pokemon can interact on in combat. Like, basically having the ability to class out of something, right? So, like, Grass in, like, the game of Pokemon has access to poison and paralysis in terms of the powders. Mm-hmm. Like, it ha- I want to, if I'm going to pick a Grass Pokemon, kind of make them, like, a debuff mage where I can throw different kinds around the the battlefield and have a universally powerful Pokemon. You're pigeonholed in this game, so you really can't do that idea. You can, but not on a scale that you would want to. Yeah, there's no classes. There's no progression. There's no, like, when you pick up a Charmander, you know that Charmeleon will be more powerful, but you have no control over, like, if it's got an area of effect attack or if it's got, like, a uh, damage a specific tile attack so you don't get to pick you have very 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 little control and it's part of the challenge of this game is how random things feel yeah but um sometimes controlling that random is a little bit more fun oh that's the other thing you don't get to choose where you deploy your units so sometimes you can be blindsided by like a split party or they'll like scatter all of your offensive units far from your defensive units. So like I can't have everybody hide behind my like rapier. Right. Yeah. Unit picking is man. Are you sure though? You can pick You get units? to pick what order you pick the units. So like you pick like who's in slot one and who's in slot six, for instance. Right. Yeah. But you don't know where on the map slot one, four, or five are going to line up. And there are a lot of battles where your party is split, and um, sometimes you just have to reset. I I needed Charizard to be in the left-hand side, not on the right-hand side. And I'm I'm just going to lose because he's surrounded by Blastoises. Right, yeah. (laughs) So... uh, Graphics and art style, do you have any opinions? Love it. Absolutely love it. The, like, very polished digital representation of everything is anime, but very, very clean. All the line work is really nice. The graphics on how each Pokemon look and how each warrior look is stunning. The character designs are super cool. The character design is one of the things that, like, make this game for me. Every Pokemon is partnered with a certain person, and whoever that Pokemon is partnered with looks like they should be partnered with that person. It's like a match. Yeah. Who's the guy that looks like Jiraiya from Naruto? Because he was basically always in my party because he looks really cool. Um, he's got like a dragon mask on. Like he he just he he looks like he's this like old kind of stocky. Like bright red armor and like a dragon mask, and like it was just like I want I want this guy around. I want to oh, have this he, guy over for dinner. Like he's the guy who has Rhyperior. Oh, I couldn't remember if he was the guy that had Rhyperior or Girder, but he well, was just cool. He's also the guy who has Groudon later. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. that he. Yo, yeah, he he super looks like Groudon. Yeah, it's cool. I, he should look like that because he looks perfect that way yeah uh so this game looks bright and cheerful and inviting and is it's just it's it's a welcoming game it's nice yeah. it, it looks like a pokemon game 
Uh, do you have any opinions on the sound and music of this game? Uh, not too much. I thought it was good. Uh, it didn't blow me away, uh, but didn't put me to sleep. Uh, I don't remember being offended. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> uh, it, 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 it must have been all right. Like I, I could, I couldn't whistle anything that I heard from this game. No, no, I, I don't remember much of anything that I listened to, but I remember it didn't make me mad. <laughs> yeah, I, I never threw my 3DS because of the music. So I have an interesting question about this game. Is this a really bad, good game or a really good, bad game? Uh, interesting. Because I, I mean, I don't want to lean towards either of them because I don't actually think it's too bad in I, I, I any don't... regard. I don't think that this is a bad game, but this is also not a good game. It's 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 peculiar. This game is like eating the like white mystery flavor um, Airhead bar, where you can never quite tell exactly what the taste is going for, but you really want to figure it out. Just like right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get that. It's I mean, I guess I would say it's a really good bad game. Because it tries very, very hard to take some of the worst qualities and still shape it into something good. Like, the Link mechanic mm -hmm. is still interesting because it's, like, how you evolve Pokemon. It's how you're... It basically translates to levels in this. But mm -hmm. if you're not doing the right things, then it's capped. And if it's capped, then you're kind of screwed. And you're, like, if you get a certain cap on a Pokemon, it's just never going to get exponentially stronger. It's like saying, I'm going to go into a leaf green file, and because I caught the wrong uh, Scyther, once I evolve it to Scissor, it's never going to get past level 70. And that yeah. would suck. But, and it's yeah. all about, like, the, 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 the bond level between the, the warrior and the Pokemon. And again, if you could trade your Pokemon, this would be a little bit less of an issue. Yeah, but, there's still uh, some polish that would be left over. I guess I would have to change it to it's a really bad good game. They're kind of interchangeable, in my opinion. I I do think that there's a that there there is a fine line. Is what I'm is why I think this is fun. But well, then this, let me ask you, what's your opinion then? Um, I think that this is a really good bad game. It looks like shovelware. It kind of plays like shovelware. But it's still there's something special here. Like I I think that there is gold within this ball of ore rather than there's ore in this ball of gold. I guess. Okay. But like th there's there's some genuine passion here. There's some genuine inspiration here. Like there 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 is something beautiful to behold in Pokemon Conquest. But it's just so inscrutable like it's really difficult to get past some of the weird of this game interesting so uh did you have a favorite part of your playthrough of pokemon conquest um like not really i think the final battle was cool i think that was a good way to close out the game mm -hmm. and Honestly, I think if you go back and, like, start going for the legendary Pokemon, that hunt would be cool. Mm -hmm. The 
thing that does the best for me is the uh, um, the cast list. Like, the fact that the Pokemon that are used in this game are all very much favorites of mine. I guess that's why I have a higher opinion, is I kind of can throw a stone and pick and play with any of my favorite Pokemon in a kind of wacky game that's also a tactical RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's it for me. Uh, yeah, I would also say the final battle. It just rules. Yeah. Uh, did you have... Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly how different these two questions are, but did you have a highlight of your playthrough? Like a moment where you felt like you were a bad enough dude? Uh, when I'm closing in on Nobunaga, I'm just like, I am going to walk up to you, press a few buttons, and you're just going to sit there and die. <laughs> uh, so my highlight was, um, there, at a certain point in this game, uh, some dude just explains to you, oh, your protagonist character has an Eevee, and Eevee is a special Pokemon that um, has like 10 or, it has like 10 different evolutions. So if you get a, give it a fire stone, it turns into a Flareon. But if you are really nice to it in its daytime, your Eevee will evolve into an Espeon, a psychic Pokemon. So Eevee has a different version of all of the different elemental types, or is close to having one of every... Is there one of every Eeveelution at this point? Uh, yes, that can be in the game. So it goes is there up like a, to... a Steelion, then? No, there is no Steel Eevee evolution. Okay, yeah, but the the point is that there's like 10 different Eevee evolutions. So this guy explains how to evolve your main character's Eevee Pokemon, which is probably just going to be one of the best Pokemon that you have on your team. You'll just always be using your Eevee. But um, so he gives you one of each of the elemental stones. And I was kind of bummed because I thought that you would only have those three options. So I waited to see if there was some kind of clue on how to get the other evolutions. And when I beat the Psychic region, it asked me if I wanted to evolve my Eevee. And I realized that, like, oh, when you beat the Psychic region, you can get the Psychic Eevee. So I realized that if you got to the Ice region, I could evolve my Eevee into Glaceon. So when I battled Nobunga and all of his Dragon-type Pokemon, I had Glaceon, which is powerful against Dragon-type Pokemon. And I one-shotted every single Pokemon that came in contact with my Glaceon because he was just the beefiest bad boy on the team. Oh, that's interesting. So I loved that battle against uh, Nobunaga because Glaceon obliterated him. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, And just like 10 out of 10 with Glaceon again. It makes me want to play a different Pokemon game just to get another Glaceon. Right. Because you just and it tell the game tells you like this is <laughs> how you can pretty much steamroll the game. <laughs> yeah, use powerful Pokemon that uh, have type advantages over your. Uh, did you? Uh, what did you think was the worst part of Pokemon Conquest? Uh, the menuing and like how every month I think it is takes a little bit more of your time and a little bit more of your. Uh, concentration away because you have to deal with the menus. It, it always took me out of the game for like a split second. Yeah, I was gonna say sifting through all of the like weird garbage of like you can play like you can like send the different people of your region into like a mine to mine gold for you and stuff. 
And I was kind of expecting it to be a little mini game or to be a little battle or something, but there's so much stuff in this game where it's just like using the bad menus, click on a thing and like randomly get like 16 gold. And it's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to use this 16 gold for, but thanks, I guess. Like e even a potion in this game is like 50 gold. So there's a bunch of stuff that's just kind of meaningless and it's just like nested in the menus for bad reasons. So I, I agree with you. The, the menus are just the worst part of this game. Uh, did you have a low point of your playthrough? Uh, that, the one I described earlier was kind of the low point where I was trying to progress and I went a certain direction that out of nowhere caused me kind of have to backtrack in a really bad way, get attacked and then have to come back and kind of get screwed from that. That's it. Like, I gen generally liked the game, and the gameplay was fun enough to keep me going for a long while. I also had fun playing this game. Uh, I, I, I hope it doesn't sound like I didn't have fun or a good time while I was playing this. But I have to say, the lowest point of my playthrough was the Steel region, and I brought a Glade into the battle with me, because Glade is both psychic and fighting type. Uh, and fighting beats steel. I didn't realize that Gallade only has a psychic move, so it was practically useless. And I lost the steel region battle after about 15 turns, and I just got mega owned. And I just, oh, wow. I, it was just uh, the, the steel region was this big steel wall that I was beating my head against. I think I had to try that region like four times. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, but I, I just, I got hosed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, do you have any final thoughts before we go into our ratings? Uh, no. I think I'm ready. Cool. So, uh, where should this game be in your backlog? Uh, that is the question of the Backlog Treasure Hunters podcast. And these are not uh, ratings of, like, do we think this is a good game? This is not, like, best or the best kind of rating. But the question is, should you play this game? And should you add it to your backlog? So we rate these on a scale of one to five, where one is eternally at the bottom, where you will forget about it and never play it, or five is right up at the top, uh, and you should get a copy and play this game immediately. So, uh, JT? I give this game a four. I think it was, and I'm a little bit biased because this was given to me as a gift from you and then put <laughs> on our backlog to play. But this is one of those where... If I was given this game and then someone explained it to me at, in the same way that you did, I would have <laughs> played this immediately and given this probably my full attention. In terms of being critical, this is still a really good game. I loved every bit of playing it. And even if I found this by myself, I still would have put this up there in the backlog as something I would play pretty soon. Um, I think I haven't even owned it for very long, but I'm... I, I will put this back on the backlog for a second playthrough, and that's why I'm giving it a four. I like it. So uh, I may have sounded overcritical in this discussion at some points, but I also give this a four out of five. Uh, and that's because this game is absolutely bonkers, and I'm really glad that I own it, and I'm really glad that I played it. And this is exactly the kind of stuff that I love seeing from what look like kind of just like shovelware crossover titles. This is honest to goodness backlog treasure and it's bizarre and it yields a really unique experience and putting Pokemon and a tactical RPG together in a game, 
I was bound to give this a high rating. But the weird of this game, the 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 menus being as bad as they are, almost enrich the experience. It's it's like a it's like a, a shared a shared experience of like you, you and I both know how awful menus can truly be now. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I, I don't think that this is a great game, but I think that everyone should look into this game because they just don't make stuff like this all the time. It's weird when you find it, and it's joyful when you get to find it. Indeed. So, uh, thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell your cousins, and uh, make your local government start a community backlog gaming fund. So we have a Twitter at Backlog Treasure Hunters. We also have our Facebook group, which is as well Backlog Treasure Hunters. Please like and join those. We want to start creating a community as soon as possible so we can have more people listen and talk about the same games that we're talking about and add to the backlog to just enrich the world by having more games and more experiences to play. Absolutely. Email us your suggestions for games that we should cover. Tell us what games uh, from your backlog that you particularly enjoyed. Tell us games in our. It, 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 tell us games that we should also avoid. Like we we'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah. ne- next week's episode is also grid based, but not how you might expect. Uh, tune in to next week's program to find out more. We hope that you had as much fun listening as we did recording. Later, people.